Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Earlier this week, we were talking about how, because of increasing costs, beef may be become increasingly rare on restaurant menus. But Ross Goldman also made the point that the top end, the, cu- the top end cuts will remain. So, what does top end actually mean? Not just in beef, but in any other sorts of food. Host of RTE's off-duty chef Mark Moriarty has done a bit of travelling the world and trying posh food. Mark, good afternoon to you. Thanks for having me. Uh, right, what is Wagyu beef? Wagyu beef is, I suppose, the creme de la creme of beef globally, they say, um, originating in Japan. It's a breed of cow, really high fat content, beautiful flavour, different grades, but it's also extremely expensive. And like most things, the cost polarises a lot of people in terms of what you're actually eating, how good can it be. Um, I've been fortunate enough to eat a bit of it. It is quite delicious. But it's amazing. It's almost, it's, it's a cultural thing as much as what you eat. So you'll have basically... I kind of describe it almost like the GAA here. You'll have families and breeds of cattle that go back hundreds of years in Japan and specific farmers mm. who rear these cattle. Um, they get treated like absolute royalty. Their whole reason in life is to be bred to do absolutely nothing to allow the fat content of the meat to increase and increase. Uh, they get fed an awful lot of feed. Um, and then they get sold around the world for an awful lot of money. Yeah, and it, it, there's a grading system as to how good or bad it is. Well, how good it is. Yeah, massive industry. So I think the Japanese government will they'll look after it. it goes from like A1 to A5. And that's based on the amount of meat they'll get out of the animal, uh, the amount of fat content. And you'll see it in really high-end menus all over the world. It works out like the top A5 stuff. Like if you think of a strip loin steak that might be, say, 200 grams, yeah. that could cost anywhere between 100 and 150 euro for the top, top <laughs> stuff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so even in, a, in, in you know, your Michelin, however many stars restaurant, if you order some Wagyu beef, you won't be getting a big steak. It's a, it's a smaller, smallish enough piece. No, you get. will get a small enough piece. I remember we had it on the menu once years ago and we were, we were cooking at the kind of the strip loin steak and then we were taking slices off it so you get a tiny bit on the plate. And sure, as chefs, we were taking the kind of end bits and having a taste. But it was so rich and so buttery and so beefy that like, you were sick by the end of the service from all that beef fat in your stomach. <laughs> so you actually, you wouldn't eat too much of it. Right. So, but it's quite fatty then. The, the texture of it would be different to... Yeah, you, you cook... Well, when you get it, it's mad. I remember years ago, Kevin Thornton, I worked for him, and he, he reared a single animal. It cost like €25,000 to rear this animal. Um, and I remember we got in the carcass and, like, you had to work in a really cold place because there was so much fat, it would turn to, like, butter on your hands. Um, when you cooked it, it was quite jellyish. It would mm. almost kind of bounce when you touch it. Um but it's like when you think about the best part of a steak or the best part of roast beef is kind of that kind of fatty bit at the end that yeah. might be at the top. Imagine that but the whole way through all of the meat and that's the sort of feeling and the sort of flavour you're getting. Um, but as I say, it comes at a cost but when you think about it, like these animals will eat, I think they eat about five tons worth of feed in their lifetime um, and they're reared by these families in Japan I think the, there's a certain region just in the northeast of Japan which is where the best of the best stuff come from and like those those animals will sell for 30 to 35,000 euro for, for one carcass that's mad because from your description, it doesn't sound that nice. Well, not selling it well, but worth a try. But yeah, but at the same time, you could easily, as somebody who's used to eating, you know, uh, fillet steaks or, or, or a sirloin steak, might go to this and go, no. Uh, well, yeah, well, you mightn't like it, but again, it's not something you're going to be eating every day. And I think if you look into it's not just 
eating and, and tasting what you have on the plate. It's understanding, I suppose, the tradition, uh, the rarity, the culture and the passion mm. that goes into creating it is is part of the, the and I suppose, top restaurants. Yeah. You add that story and that's part of the whole experience. Now, bluefin tuna uh, would be kind of almost like a fish equivalent of that. But obviously these aren't on a farm anyway or doing nothing. They're caught, I assume, not farmed. Yeah, a little bit different to yours. So we'd all have our tin tuna with our sweet mm. corn or mayonnaise. Um but you'll get bluefin tuna. And again, it goes back to Japan, a place with all this this food culture where uh, they're incredibly prized animals. They're absolutely massive. Um, they'll sell for anywhere from for one fish. Now, the fish is about four, what was, I think it's like 450 to 500 pounds a fish. But we'll sell for anywhere from 100 grand up until the, I think the top one was 1.8 million for one fish. Wow. Um, and is there a bit of that fish that's, the most prized part. Yeah, so the belly. So it's broken yeah. down into quarters when you do it. You go into this place in Tokyo, the fish market, and it starts at like three in the morning and you've never seen anything like it. So you'll walk in and it's like after a night out in Grafton Street. It is packed <laughs> with people. They're all shouting at each other. It's all via auction. And they're looking for those prized parts of the animal. Um, we got Again, we got it in once in Ireland as a bycatch. And you end up paying for the whole fish, but like 70% of the weight is actually the head and the bone structure. So mm. immediately 70% of what you paid for is unusable. Um, and it's that little bit of belly piece, which is like Wagyu. It's got that sort of almost 50-50 meat to fat content. And again, it's the it's the idea of it. It's the culture behind it. Um, it's the fact that these fishing vessels will go out hunting them long lining for like months at a time. You, uh, one thing I learned from researching this is you'll actually have Japanese ships will come as close to 250 miles of the Irish coast from Japan to ha! fish these bluefin tuna. And then we'll travel. I think it's 50 days of travel back to to the markets in Japan That's with the catch. So uh, when you said you had one, then that, that was like occasionally an Irish uh, um vessel might catch one kind of by accident yeah and they can only land I think by accident uh, there's no quota to actually fish it I was speaking to a, a friend of mine Mick Sheeran down in West Kerry yesterday before coming on and he's saying when they're doing the summer tours in August they'll actually see bluefin tuna like right up between across Dingle Bay and they're fishing massive animals as I say like 400, 400 pounds Um but the thing is, if you land it in Ireland's bycatch, if you don't get it to a certain core temperature, I don't know what it is, it can't pass Japanese immigration law, so you can't actually send it. But some of these fish as bycatch could be worth two, three hundred grand to a fisherman. Um, but it's mad. mad. It's, it's, and you just you eat the tuna in the tin, you never think that it can go up this high. Twelve grand for a melon. Yes. Uh, haven't had it, nor will I ever. Uh, <laughs> again, it's, it's a kind of a cultural piece. There are these farmers who will literally prune a tree to produce one melon every is this, year. Is this in Japan again? This is in Japan again, yeah. They have a lot of Japan. time over there. Barry King <laughs> melon, right, yeah. So yeah, they'll and they'll prune it so that all the energy of the tree goes into producing this one melon, which will, as as you said, sell up to 12,000 euro was one of the most expensive. I don't know how good melon could be. I wouldn't be uh, forking out in it. But I think it's the idea of all the time and effort of this natural tree goes into this one melon and you give it as a gift and it's like the most amazing gift you could ever receive I'd be I'd be rightly pissed off if I got I'd, I'd, I'd rather the 12 grand uh, <laughs> as a gift I must say now uh, truffles people will be familiar with are there different sorts of truffles different sorts of truffles yeah we're actually in the one month of the year where there's really none anywhere in the world um, coming in now in June you'll start to get western Australian black truffle from a town called Manjimup which is about five hours outside Perth in the middle of nowhere. Um, 
there again it comes back to rarity it's one of those ingredients you can't really farm people are trying to do it but it's the idea of they just grow out of nowhere um, around forestry you'll find them through kind of southern central Europe a lot apparently there's been a few in Ireland I've never seen or heard of them hmm. um, Western Australia they're farming them in China traditionally they were sniffed out by pigs yeah. that was the way it was done then what happened was they got to the point where the pigs were then eating it before they could get to the truffles <laughs> so there was this money in the bin now they've trained dogs and I believe like white Alba truffles are like the top top so in October in an area in Alba in northern Italy um, that's the prime season it only lasts for three to four weeks but they'll basically have 24 hour security some farmers around their, their forestry to make sure no one comes in because like a kilo of these truffles can go for anywhere from three to three and a half thousand for a kilo um, at certain times of the year. Would you eat them raw? Do you cook them? What do you do? Just shaved raw, yeah. Yeah. So um, not great for the GP in the restaurant. But again, it's it's one of those things. It's a, it's a rare, sometimes once in a lifetime ingredient that will just be shaved on top of something. It's got a, they're hard to describe. They're not everyone's cup of tea. They're kind of like a heady, they're essentially a mushroom, but they've got a heady smell. It's quite mm. perfumed. Um, quite delicious. How do you describe them? Um, yeah, no, but like you know, you can buy truffle oil. Does does that actually have truffles in that's it? That's just a chemical. That's just, ah, that's that's just right a chemical. Yeah, yeah. Once again, <laughs> custard creams don't have custard in them either. Apparently, <laughs> uh, right? No, I love this one. Uh, Coltello ham. Uh, this, again, this is from Italy. I think. Yeah, Which, uh, this is one family. One family, the Spigaroli family. I was fortunate enough to travel there in 2015. It's literally it's this amazing old period house on the banks of the River Po. Um, it's a the black pig. Um, it's from this one farm. They they kill them, they salt them, they cure them. And then they go into basically in the basement. And I swear to God, you walk down into this place, and it's like something out of a horror film. It's black. There's a, a few little sheets of light coming in through some windows, but it's it's so mouldy and damp down there. It kind of burns your eyes. Delicious, yeah. Um, the mould grows around these these legs of ham as they age. Uh, and then what they do is they take them in, they clean them off and they sell for massive money around the world. They're, they're impossible to get. And when you actually go down, there's little wooden handwritten signs on some of the legs of who's actually bought them because mm. they're bought years in advance. So I remember there was like Anthony Bourdain was on one. Prince Charles had one. Uh, Prince Rainier of Monaco had one. Now, I don't know what they were spending on it. Yeah. Um, and then what they do is if you're invited in, they bring you upstairs on this big old 200-year-old slicer and they give you a small taste. Again, it's beautiful. Is it worth the mega, mega money that you'll pay for it? Who knows? Um, but it's, again, the story, the tradition, the, the family behind it really adds to the drama of it. Yeah, that's so interesting. Mark, thanks a million for coming into us today. Uh, that was Mark Moriarty there. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on Newstalk. We have to take a break. Back in a couple of minutes. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.